welcome to our Jackson home this week. We have uh, three guests at the same time, so that's a little bit different for me, but uh, we have Kyle Spurgeon, who's the president and CEO of the Jackson Chamber. We have Dr. Jeremy Tubbs, who's director of music and entertainment at the University of Memphis Lambeth, and Josh Smith, singer, songwriter, musician, and apparently a man you don't want to get in a fight with based on previous <laughs> conversations that we had in the room before recording. Um, so, uh, some of the listeners might not know all, Kyle, you've been a guest before on the podcast, um, but let's, let's do a quick, just go around and introduce yourselves so we can know who's, who we're talking to. So you're looking at me. Just go ahead, Kyle. Can't see that you're on the that. left hand side, so it just makes, you know. Gotcha. I'm Kyle Spurgeon, president and CEO of the Jackson Chamber. I've been here in this position seven years, grew up in Paris, Tennessee, and I think as it relates to this, obviously I told you I was going to bring my guitar with me, but I didn't. My music career probably started and ended when I was about 12 years old and uh, took guitar lessons for about three months and that was it. However, I was a, a DJ in uh, high school and college and seriously, I'm the guy that's got, you know, before, uh, I've got like 5,000 songs on my iPhone now, mm -hmm. I guess, but it ranges everything from classical music, which I listen to very, very little of, mm -hmm. to real hardcore early country music, Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, Hank Williams Jr., all the way up to some, Beyonce might be on there. Yeah. So I just love music, and uh, the last several months at the Chamber have been able to be around a project and meet guys like this, who I knew a little bit, mm -hmm. but to be involved in something that takes my job from the Chamber and then combines that with music has just been really a, a whole lot of fun the last several months. Absolutely. Dr. Tubbs? Yes. Um, well, again, I'm a director of music and entertainment at the University of Memphis, um, Lambeth campus. Uh, and what we've kind of seen as a vision around here and, and just getting just a viable music program, commercial music program, because we have wonderful traditional music programs in Jackson, especially at Union in Bethel, around the area, Freed Hardman, but we don't have really a commercial music program anywhere in West Tennessee. So how would you define a commercial music program? Well, the, the idea is that on a, on a traditional track, you take uh, certain classes like music theory, one, two, three, and four, ear training, piano training, okay. um, uh, music history, um, orchestration, arranging, conducting, mm -hmm. um, things like that. And then you also usually uh, specialize in the instrument, like you take lessons, whether it be a vocal or piano or guitar or bass or violin or whatever, flute. Gotcha. So we we decided that uh, that wouldn't be the best option to, to, to put on the Lambeth campus, that we would offer something that no other school did. Mm -hmm. And then we'd also save uh, a lot of headache and time and trouble trying to put another music department on this campus. So. Mm -hmm. um, at the University of Memphis, we decided that we'd go commercial route, which m deals mainly more with the like co um, popular music world. So um, it could be a little bit of jazz, but it could be is you know anything rock, country, pop, whatever. But so we we offer recording classes, we offer songwriting classes, we offer we still offer like music theory one and two, and I call it musicianship instead of instead of music theory. So it's uh, theory and musicianship is what we call it because we we when I teach a theory course I don't use Bach and Beethoven and Handel and stuff like that I use the Beatles and uh, the other day they had to analyze um, um, uh, some pop songs you know that that I chose that had key changes and modulations and stuff and so the kids I had to analyze those so we use yeah. more commercial music in that regard um, but we also do like history of rock and roll uh, we do uh, I do a music and politics class. Um, 
So there's multiple courses that mm-hmm. we can consider more, again, modern kind of approaches to, to yeah. the music industry. Um, and then when this, uh, again, we're looking for, you know, maybe not, um, we're looking for viable opportunities. Like, uh, we, I, I, I've kind of done it long enough that a lot of times we can chase our tails a little bit in the music business. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at, at paths that are going to gain um, some, some, we can set some goals and have some very uh, reasonable outcomes, you know, and, 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 and pro- make progress and, and develop um, a scene, a music scene, a music community gotcha. that uh, will, you know, be bookend by two major music cities, actually, mm-hmm. and probably two of the most famous in the world. You know, Memphis between Memphis and Nashville. You know, so yeah. can can we have can we be like this glue for that as well and have our own identity? So, mm-hmm. West Tennessee is really truly a musical uh, mecca in a way of of not just a, uh, not just a city with some ties to music but yeah. really become kind of something bigger and better so okay. that's what we're trying to do here that's a great vision and where are you from i'm from here originally but i uh, i moved i moved away <clears throat> and then was had the opportunity to move back and so we chose to to you know move back to jackson mm-hmm. so i grew up here makes sense yeah absolutely <laughs> josh i did not I'm josh Smith. i did not grow up here i grew up north mississippi uh I moved up here about 15 years ago, but I started playing music in honky-tonks in Tupelo and some surrounding areas, I guess when I was about 15. And I uh, went to college over there and met some guys, uh, Jonathan Singleton and some more guys from Jackson. So I ended up moving up here probably, yeah, about 15 years ago and joining, joining the Grove. It was the band we were playing with at Barley's. We had a house gig down there. and. Jonathan, he, you know, he did the songwriting thing, and we went to do the Nashville thing. But now I'm back with two kids, and you know we got this jam thing going on. And I play music, you know, three or four nights a week for the most part locally mm-hmm. or within between here and Tupelo, I guess you'd say. Okay. I, you know, I got family down there, but local singer, songwriter, uh, musician. And luckily, you know, I get to play with probably. 20, 25 different musicians every month, you know, just mm-hmm. because I, where, where I play and how, how lucky I am to be able to work with all the, all the different musicians, but to keep me from getting bored, I, I get to play with <laughs> different players, but yeah, just, just a local musician, you know, trying to, still trying to do the thing. Yeah, so how did, how did you get started in music, like what triggered that? Man, right. I knew this question would come up one day. <laughs> no, is this a is this a radio first? Is this this might be no? I don't know what that might. Is, is it appropriate? Kind of, well, it's, it's appropriate. It don't make you look cool at all. <laughs> I was young. I guess I was you know ten, eleven years old, and I, you know, you see you sing in church and your mom, you know, and all that stuff. But there was a lady in my hometown of Ripon, Mississippi, and she was she she had cloggers. They're all these beautiful girls. They were all two or three years older than me and my brother. So she's like, well, we want to get four or five little boys to sing the cassettes, you know, <laughs> back in those days. Put the cassette in and y'all had a mic. And we'd do a quartet thing. And these clogger girls would dance. Mm-hmm. And we did have to learn. I think we had to learn one or two two clogging routines. I can, I can do a little clogging <laughs> if you ever need it. Just future <laughs> reference. But, but yeah. <laughs> That's how I started. I started singing with my brother and my cousin and a couple of friends in this quartet. And then, of course, from then, I was 14 to 15 or so. There was a bunch of 50-year-old dudes in New Island, Mississippi, that their singer quit. And they were looking for a new singer. So I was 
14, 15, and they were all 50, 55 years old, and that's why I learned Green River mm-hmm. and all those old cocaine and Sweet Home Alabama. That's how I, that's how I learned all those songs, because I, I was 14 and, and singing with a bunch of old dudes, but it was great. We were called Blue Denim. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I went from Blue Denim to Steel Rebels, and then so, so, just been doing That's all I've ever done. <laughs> that's awesome. That's it. Living the dream. But there's probably some videos out there of me clogging and Yeah, if uh, any of the listeners can find that, I think that needs to be prominently <laughs> featured on maybe the Chambers video. My mom's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, to kind of glue all this together with the Chamber and local musicians, a story about Josh, and to give him a whole lot of credit, and this would have been two, three years ago, but... We were just starting to work a project which turned out to be Pacific Industries. Uh, I called my friend Jerry Corley and I said, hey, we've got uh, this group from Japan coming in. We need to entertain them from di- for dinner. And I found out the CEO, the owner of the company, this 70, 75-year-old gentleman, loves country music. <laughs> and I asked Jerry, I said, who do I, I said, I just want to put somebody up at dinner with a, you know, an amp and a guitar and just let them sing and take requests mm-hmm. from those guys. It was that amazing. was Josh. It was amazing. The, the, the songs they requested would still blow your mind. <laughs> it's a, uh, a lot of Merle Haggard yeah, stuff. Merle Haggard, uh, going to Jackson, of course. Um, Tennessee, what was that? Tennessee Waltz. Tennessee Waltz, yeah. yeah it, was just, it was unbelievable that these you know, 75-year-old men... From Japan. From, from Japan. <laughs> so I tell that story because yeah. that's helped cement the relationship with us yeah. in Pacific. And uh, when the chairman of Gobblesan, when he left, he left with a cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when he came back, we gave him a belt buckle on the next trip. And I think you played for him one more time and then at their mm-hmm. uh, ribbon cutting ceremonies and dinner that night. Mm-hmm. But when Ogawa-san told us that Jackson had won the deal, uh, he stood up at uh, a meeting and pulled his coat back and had on that <laughs> that buckle. That was cool. uh, but anyway, I give Josh a lot of credit because yeah. he helped. That was in the you know, critical early stages of getting mm-hmm. to know someone, and music bridged that gap. It's interesting how music just reaches so many people and why someone right. uh, in Japan would be like a huge fan of classical country. You know, yeah, like, I played for them, I think, three or four times now. When they come over, it's at least three, if not four times now, I've played with the same people. They, they're, they're great. They're great people. They have a good time. That's awesome. Well, Kyle, you were a DJ. Why Why did you get into DJing? Was it just the first job you could find that wasn't flipping a burger? or was it the- Close. That's a good <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a uh, some friends that worked at a local radio station, and there was an opening for a sports guy, sports reporter, somebody to... I played baseball in high school, and I did not play football or basketball, so I was covering those games. Mm-hmm. And from starting that, maybe when I was a junior in high school, to up until probably about my sophomore, junior year of college, I then became a DJ, uh, mm-hmm. did newscast, uh, different things like that, and just learned to appreciate all different types yeah. of music, and uh, really, really enjoyed uh, that background. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, You got to meet a lot of station I worked at went from pop to country, so you got to meet some country artists and stuff mm-hmm. along the way with that. But just uh, being around music, and again, someone that can't play even a, well, no, I can't play a thing, 
but just loving it and then being around these folks and then the last this project we worked on with the song seeing how all that was put together uh, and produced and literally coming from a song on a piece of paper mm-hmm. that was written to something that now you can hear on local radio stations and listen on your phone or wherever is just to me being someone on the outside looking at that whole process was just I mean, it was a thrill to see that mm-hmm. dr tubbs are you a musician as well or are you just a professor no i i, 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 I play. <laughs> <laughs> um i i started out you know seven years old just kind of loving music and, and my mom saw i'd done something when i was like four or five she can tell the story better but she said that i went to the piano and like picked out melodies uh, that I was hearing like on Sesame Street and stuff like that. Mm. Um, whatever was on TV, I started playing on the piano, just like pluck them out one note at a time, kind of like, you know, that kind of thing. And so she she asked me, I don't remember this, to be honest with you, but she asked me if I wanted to learn how to play an instrument. And of course I said yes. And she said, would you want to do piano or guitar? And I said, no, I want to do drums. And of course she said no. And <laughs> and uh, she said, "You piano or guitar?" And I, of course, I, I gravitated to, towards the guitar. Yeah. Um, he learned drums later. I learned <laughs> drums later. Uh, uh, there's another. There's another story there for that. <laughs> one. Um, but anyway, so that's where it started, and I started taking guitar lessons, and I and I, I really hated um, the 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 idea of taking lessons and practicing at first. And uh, you know, I remember being eight, nine, even ten years old, and just kind of doing it because I had to do it because mom kept me going you know she's like yeah you just keep going keep doing it and of course I didn't know at the time but I, I guess I was pretty okay you know because my guitar teacher was you know telling her like he's you know he's reading music at 10 years old and he's he's playing you know at church you know or, or I was playing at you know Christmas time I was doing like green sleeves on stage you know mm-hmm. and, and doing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or whatever you know or and then I started playing for family stuff and then it just kind of again snowballed and and by the time I was 14 I was playing in garage bands and you know the choir teacher at the high school started you know put me in piano class and choir and I started doing all that so by the time I was a senior in high school I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon Mm -hmm. and I was gonna go to med school and all that stuff so I had planned out and already had a job lined up at the at the hospital to be a phlebotomist when I graduated. So the day I turned 18 and graduated high school, I was working at the hospital, had all these plans. But then fate had it in a different thing. I just, I loved music and I, and I, and I found myself taking more music classes than biology courses, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really hated it actually. So I quit the job and started, I had a kind of a local thing where uh, Carl Perkins' daughter and son-in-law, Bart and Debbie Swift, Yeah. Let me Bart's play. been a guest on the podcast before. They let me play on Friday, some Friday, well, a lot of Friday nights and some Saturday nights too at their restaurant Suede's. Mm-hmm. And I used to sit up and play with another guy. Um, and we used to do two two man acoustic shows in the in the you know front lobby there or the front dining room actually where the window is. And uh, um, we used to play there all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where it kind of started. And from there, I, I said, you know, how can I make a living doing this now? Mm-hmm. So, cool. That's Our, just a lot, a lot of little things. So I, I played. Yeah. I started out playing music, but then I, I realized that my strength was probably more uh, encouraging and teaching people. Um, the older I got, I realized that you know once you get about twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty years old, um, you know that that road life starts to weigh on you a little bit. So mm-hmm. that's when I buckled down and finished my doctorate. Yeah. So okay. 
All right, well, that's great introduction on all three of you. So let's head into the break. We'll come back and we're going to talk about the song okay. and, uh, and the reason we're all here, really. So uh, between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is R. Jackson Hall. And welcome back to Our Jackson Home. I'm joined by Kyle Spurgeon, Dr. Jeremy Tubbs, and Josh Smith, and we're talking about the origin story, because all great things have a good origin story, right, of, of the song, Jackson's Still My Home. And so uh, this was kind of happening on a couple different fronts, but let's, Kyle, why don't you start on the chamber side of the things. Yeah, sure. We do a chamber celebration every year, and we try to, and I think we do, we make it a fun event. There are so many events in Jackson that are nighttime dinners, people get awards, you eat, blah, 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 you go home. But ours is a luncheon, and we, someone's going to take an hour and a half out of their day. We want it to be fun. And this year, we wanted to focus on local music for several reasons, and the first idea was to redo Johnny Cash's Jackson. Just made sense. That's an iconic song. And it is about it Jackson. It is about Jackson, Tennessee. We're going to claim we well, there's video proof, <laughs> yeah. so we can we can take it. Absolutely. Uh, Johnny Cash intended it to be, whether the yeah. writers did or not, but it's our song. So we were going to do that, and the idea was to do it in a way like Forever Country, or We Are the World, and utilize local Jackson artists and, mm -hmm. and redo that song. And what I had seen uh, from the Skeleton Crew, when they do Jackson, they do a great version of that. I'd seen that, thought that that'd be super to get them on that and then put all these other local artists around it. Well, that's the extent of, again, my musical talent, putting that together, it's just an idea. So we pulled uh, Jimmy Exum, uh, Alexis Long, and myself, who's our uh, director of events at the time. She's since gotten a promotion mm -hmm. uh, from that. And as we started talking about this process, it involved Jeremy and licensing songs and being able to do, perform those and then put it on YouTube where anybody can watch it uh, was going to be pretty expensive. And Jeremy, I think you helped us figure out it's going to be like five or six thousand bucks just for the first year to do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're kind of all right. What do we do now? And it was it was within a week. Uh, Jimmy Exum called me and he said, Kyle, uh, I think we've got the song. I think uh, Josh Smith just recorded that last night at the studio at Jackson mm -hmm. Records. And I'm like, okay, great. And uh, I listened to it and he had. He had laid down the perfect song uh, for us because we wanted an anthem about Jackson. And uh, from there, uh, we met again. Jeremy kind of took the ball uh, and ran with it from there and involved the appropriate local artists to make certain things fit. And local radio stations became involved with that. But I guess I'll throw it over to Jeremy now, the process. Once we got to that point, you took over and orchestrated everything from there and then we played it at the celebration and launched it what three weeks ago mm -hmm. I guess mm -hmm. yeah I, the you know with any project you've got to start somewhere and you got to start organizing it so I kind of came in as the organizer and um, Alexis and I worked together a lot mm -hmm. actually uh, trying to get people involved. Of course, at first it was like hey Alexis I'll help you get the license the sync you know the sync license for for the Johnny Cash tune, and, mm -hmm. and it kind of started from there. But then we quickly realized from the publishers that it was going to cost a lot of money to sync that song for for just one year, and they would disappear. So the idea was like, let's just pick our own song. Let's do our own thing. Let's just create something purely Jackson. Mm -hmm. 
So I just started working with, you know, trying to find a date, a time, who could be at the studio mm -hmm. to record. Uh, of course, we had to work with videographers, you know, or the videographer mm -hmm. to piece that all together. And then you know, working with Josh and make sure all the parts are done. So he and I got together. So it was a lot of little meetings and little talking points and then messaging and just kind of putting it all uh, on onto paper. And we had to write a chart for everybody to read. We had to make sure the <coughs> lyrics were right, you know, and reword some things and, and then figure out who's going to sing what part and who was available because we really had one shot to do it. I mean, in all honesty, we had to kind of get everybody in the room at the same time to mm -hmm. sing the choruses. and So it was just a lot of organization there. So I kind of stepped in and kind of did that. And then afterwards, I did all the post-editing. So that gotcha. took about, that took about I don't know how long it took. <laughs> how long was that? It was, a, it was many hours. It was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a process of getting all the parts and then mm -hmm. smoothing it out and making it sound as... as as good as it possibly can be and and making it sound uh, like anything else you'd hear on the radio mm -hmm. you know yeah that kind of quality yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely well Josh this so we we've, we've kind of picked up midway through yeah. you you've recorded the song when the chamber gets involved already yeah so well, where does this song get started for you well let's see I, I've got a I, I play with different groups me and Tubbs have a group but I've got an original music group called Reverend Jesse and the Holy Smokes and uh, it's kind of a throwback country, 70s, 80s, 90s country feel to it. But um, we were we were in the studio, Jackson Records, with Jimmy Exum. And, and just we had eight new songs we were cutting for the next album. And I, I'd been on the road for years with, with Jonathan Singleton in the Grove. And literally, we, we probably played 40 of the 50 states, you know, just traveling, opening up for whoever and whatever. And, and it was even though that's wonderful, like living on a bus, you know, it's, it's glamorous in everybody's head. But I, people would ask me, "All right, when are you moving to Nashville?" I'm like, "I'm not. I'm never moving to Nashville. I'm Jackson's my home." And that's literally how that started. And I, from there, I just thought, you know, I've played a million. The first line is, "I've played a million country songs across the USA," just pulling from that experience, you know, riding, riding the roads and and doing that thing with with the guys, and it was wonderful, you know. It was, it was, a, it was a great time, but you know, and, and, and the whole thing, I always knew that I was coming back to Jackson rather than ever thinking about moving to Nashville or anything mm -hmm. like that. But Jackson's my home. But yeah. So how long was the song in in the works for you? I mean, it was just just a matter of days, really. I mean, it took, of course, it took me it took me a year and a half to write it, you know, and to, to finish it up. But but it was a, for a matter of days, we were in one Tuesday night in the studio and we got the drum tracks done, we got the bass tracks done. And uh, literally the next week, you know, there were people saying, something's going on with the chain, we're looking for a song and I got this in my pocket. I'm like, this is a really good song for that. <laughs> Which I completely understood. I'd have, I'd have rather done the, the, you know, it makes more sense with the, the Jackson song from Johnny Cash. But when, when that kind of slid out of the way and they're like, it's gonna cost $7,000 to die. Well, here you can have them a hundred four thousand. One time fee. Yeah. One time. Uh, for all still, time. I'm still waiting on that. Waiting on that check. But, no, no, it was it was just, it was an honor. Yeah, I was I was. It's, you know, I've never had anything cut in Nashville, and you know none of my songs have ever been cut. I just really kind of write for myself because my I mean, my my major touring days are behind me. But so I just write songs I like, and and it was it was quite an honor for everybody else. You know, you guys to go, yeah, well, we like it. Well, thank you. <laughs> That's just kind of how it all played out. It was a yeah. perfect, you know, perfect time, and the stars lined up, and everything just kind of fell right into place. 
Who else was on the recording? Oh my goodness! There's man. There's should have prepared dozens, for that question. Dozens, yeah, you got <laughs> what twenty singers with Blair Simpson, the Kimberly Hilton, Brian Moffat, Cooper Brown, and Skeleton Crew. Oh man, yeah, Skylar Anderson, Skylar Anderson, uh, Blair, Blazing Blair, mm-hmm, the McGill girls, yeah, all the McGills. Oliver Jim McGill and the two daughters. And then you got the, just the musicians, the guitar players alone, Brandon Kirk and Wes Henley, Charlie Baker. And you, uh, Shannon Cook on steel guitar, Chris Dickerson on the drums, Andy Dixon on bass, Dave Thomas playing on the keyboard. So yeah, the Jimmy left, Taylor on Jimmy heart, Taylor, and vocals. Yeah. And um, so you're looking about 30 people, 25, 30 people total coming together on this one song. Dave Thomas also co-wrote it and mm-hmm. played piano on the on the track too. So yeah. <clears throat> takes a village, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we had we we had um, an amazing first of all environment to record in. And Jackson Records is a wonderful studio. It's uh it's a it's actually a Nashville studio that got moved here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 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 Studio Nineteen sort of relocated from downtown to Franklin, um, Larry Rogers who is. If, Google him. <laughs> Just Google his name. You'll see. Uh, Larry let uh, part of that studio, kind of the B studio, come here to Jackson. So he moved the A studio out to Franklin and, and then moved the B studio kind of here. Mm. Uh, so that studio is a, is a kind of, well, it's nice. It's, a, it's recorded a lot of, of, of people uh, on a lot of those uh, mics and, and the console. Gotcha. So pretty cool little thing we have here in Jackson. Yeah. You put that environment together and a little bit of vision and some some um, good people, and you'll get a good product, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's what we've got. So, um, Josh has graciously brought his guitar, and Kyle has graciously, the car. graciously yeah. forgot yeah, his guitar. Um, and uh, and Josh is gonna play us uh, the song, and and you can get the song on anywhere, uh, iTunes. Uh, it's uh, on Google Play. You can see the video on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Everywhere you know, just Jackson's still my home. Uh, the Tennessee Jams. What was, what was the, the artist name that we finally settled on? Do you remember? Oh, the, the Hub, oh, Hub City Jam. Oh, Hub City All Stars. Hub City All Stars. Hub City All Stars. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you can find it anywhere online. It's easy to find. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, now we are in a studio. We don't have really good equipment, so it's going to sound a lot better if you go and buy it on iTunes, right? <laughs> right. Plus, you got, you got all your favorite. <laughs> local singers and, and musicians on it. But this this is just me and yeah I I, I can sing with me. <laughs> he said y'all sing yeah, go for it Kyle. <laughs> go for it Kyle. I played a million country songs across the USA. Countless little smoky bars down every lost highway. No matter where life takes me, no matter where I roam. Tennessee's the heart of me, and Jackson's still my home. I've seen those New York City lights, sunsets in LA. Crossed a few oceans blue, I parted blue from sea. God knows all the years and tears been rolling like a stone. Tennessee's the heart of me and Jackson's still my own. They say homes they hang at. 
Yeah, I say there ain't a darn thing wrong with that. I've got the city living in my bones. Yeah, Tennessee's out of me and Jackson's to my own. You go downtown, you hear the sound of rockabilly blues. Oh, the joy of sunny boy, Carl Perkins' blue suede shoes. It's safe to say that music made was the best the world has known. But Tennessee's the heart of me, and Jackson's to my own. I pick and grin with all my friends at the local bar. May not be world famous yet, but in Jackson we're all stars. We always tip our barkeep, yeah, we take care of our own. Tennessee's the heart of me, and Jackson's to my own. They say home, they hang your hat. Yeah, I say there ain't a darn thing wrong with that. I've got the city living in my bones With Tennessee's army Jackson's to my own I've got the city living in my bones Tennessee's army Jackson's to my own It's Tennessee's army in Jackson's to my own <laughs> all right josh jeremy kyle thank you all so much for uh joining us today on the podcast choosing to call jackson home and helping to make it a better place thank you thank, thank you. you today's podcast was recorded live at the co it was uh, our intro music was performed by aaron harden to hear more from us visit rjacksonhome.com and to learn more about the co visit www.attheco.com